This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle of Two Peoples Radio. G'day and welcome to Battle of Two Metal, Metalheads Radio. This week we're celebrating 2017. We're looking back over the 10 years of metalheads that we've been uh, doing interviews and shows uh, it's been a great 10 years so we're going to celebrate some of the interviews um, of 2017 we've got Rex Brown, Carl Willits we've got Devin Townsend and Brett from Paul Bearer so it's a slightly shorter show uh, but that's just the way it is and some of them are in mono and just celebrating some of the old school stuff that we used to do um, and so here we go back to Retro 2017 enjoy Welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international on Access Battle 2, triple nine AM. This is a heavy metal disclaimer. This show may contain content which may offend someone out there. These are views reflected by the presenters and not that of the station. Feel free to contact us if you have any issues. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. This week we were lucky enough to talk to Rex Brown, uh, who has just released a solo album, and uh, so we have a bit of a chat with him about that, uh, a little bit about um, his previous band, um, and uh, yeah, like I say, about um, what he's doing nowadays. Uh, so we've got that to look forward to. Um, we'll have a little bit of Metallica, I think, at the very end, some new releases, and an interview with Contortionist. Uh, so without further ado, um, we're going to have the track Train Song, then we'll have the interview with Rex, um, and then two more tracks, Crossing Lines and Buried Alive. These are all from his solo album, so uh, nothing from his previous band. We're just going to focus on what he's doing now. <laughs> If I fit 
we're talking with yep. Rex Brown, um, who has just released his debut solo album, Smoke On This. Um, how's the reception been, Rex? Uh, it's good being Rex. Rex. <laughs> I love that. You're Australian, you have the Texas accent kind of going to. Um, yeah, everything's going great, man. Record just came out finally. You know, people can hear it. Um, you know, I was getting some really good response. So, you know, we'll see. It's time to start touring. So that's what I'm doing. Excellent. So, getting what, ready. What led you to doing a solo album in the first place? What was it that made you think, oh, it's time to do this? Because, because I wanted to. Basically, I wanted to, you know, I would started writing these songs and then I found this voice and, and um, uh, you know, I was working with uh, my good buddy Lance Harville and had all these songs that we put together. He'd have this one passage and I'd have, you know, I'd just expound upon that or I'd have one song and he would take it apart. And it was kind of a... Um, you know, it, was, it, it, it really happened organically. It was, um, it was a very, very, uh, at one point I said, guys, just follow my lead on this. I know exactly where I'm going, <laughs> you know, and it just started becoming this magic. Once we had the music kind of down, then we started doing the voice on it. And that, you know, finding the voice, Lance and I did on my voice in his studio in Nashville was, uh, he's got like this really cool basement studio. And, uh, so we, uh, I sang the song and he had it called Thought Line. I changed it later, but I sang it uh, and finally found that voice. And once I had that, then I knew exactly where to go. You know, it, but it was, it was, uh, you know, the, this record's been two years in the making. And now if I went in the studio directly, it would have taken me, you know, six, seven weeks. That's it. Yep. I went back and forth and I had leisure time. I funded it myself. I bought a new home and that took about, you know, four months to renovate this thing, tear out walls and perform and all that shit. <laughs> so that's where I am, man. I just made a rock and a record. It's not rocket science. It's just fucking music, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's a departure. And now you're fixing to ask that question to so go ahead. Well, um, it was interesting because I mean, the first time I actually heard anything of, of your solo work was the um the the needle and the damage done cover that you did of Neil Young, and at that point I'd never heard you sing and I'd never heard you play guitar, so it, it was really cool to see that. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about them being it's a multi instrumentalist. Like, you know it. No, I mean, dude, I've been playing guitar since I was like ten years old. I've had one sitting next to my bed for as long as I can remember. Um, it's just one of those things where, you know, um. I play guitar also, man. It was a big deal, you know. Um, and I, the way I play it, I, I don't kind of, you know, I'll strum in the parts that need to be strung, but I still attack it like the bass. Um, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, I put I put rhythm guitars down on this record. You know, it's not. This is just a rock and roll record. It just happened to say Rex, Rex Brown on it. You know, yeah. there's three other guys that that were there with me doing it. You know. I'm wearing the white hat on this one, and uh, that's the way I like it. Excellent. Because well, I was going to ask you a little bit about um, where you came from in the sense of what were some of your first recollections of music and picking up an instrument to start with? Oh, shit. How far <laughs> you want to go back? You know, my sister, my sister was 17 years old or so. Like, I had Bill Haley in the Comets, you know, which is a big, huge splash. I had... I had uh, Fats Domino, I had Chevy Checker, I had the Elvis Sun recordings, I had, 
you know, and then she gave me along that period, she gave me all the Stones records, the Beatles early records, um, even to the White Album, you know. Um, she would just bring them to the house because she knew I loved music. My grandmother used to play silent piano um, for for the movies back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. now this is back in the 1920s. And, uh, and so I was the last of 26 grandchildren. And, uh, somehow, you know, that, that musical, um, man, she could play Scott Joplin like nobody's business. And, you know, the poor woman, I was like five, five years old dragging this, you know, 70 year old woman around this, this old house. And, <laughs> and she had this, this stand up piano and I would just sit there for hours, man, and make her play or I'd start crying, you know? <laughs> Yeah. It was just uh music center instilled in me since my earliest memories are music. You know, I I uh to make a long story short, and in between there, you know, the seventies were probably my favorite period of rock, you know, as far as you know, the Zeppelins and the Humble Pies and uh um I mean there's just so much music to talk about during that in that break, you know, but it goes the seventies suck. For me as a kid growing up you know, I was raised around that kind of stuff, even though, you know, I lived in a small in a small peanut town until I was 10 years old. You know, once I got to the big city, I started realizing Black Sabbath. And, you know, so all we had in AM radio was, you know, like the, the top hits of, you know, like America and Bread and all those, you know, the hits that were coming through in the 70s. I remember all that. And uh, so... You know, also the Eagles, you know, were another one that played on AM radio. Um, but it was ZZ Top that really did it. You know, that was the one that got me. <laughs> um, there was something about, you know, something about, uh, uh, something about Tush that just did, threw me over the fucking edge, man. <laughs> you know, so when I got, when I got to end of Texas about 10 or 11, I had a friend that lived across the street. And he gave me like, you know, Deep Purple's fucking, uh, gave me Deep Purple. He gave me, you know, gave me, uh, turn me on to fucking, uh, Black Sabbath. You know, I think my, my niece who was 15 months younger than I am turned me on to ACDC. You know, um, then the Kiss thing came around. You gotta remember back in the seventies when the Kiss thing, you know, I started following them about when they put their, their live record out, the first one. Yeah. Um, and that's probably one of the first concerts I saw. I mean, it was fucking nuts. See, these dudes all dressed up about eight foot tall. Yeah. You know, and then seeing Ted Nugent swing around on a goddamn rope with nothing but a loincloth on, dude. That didn't change your fucking opinion on rock and roll. I don't know, anything will. Yeah. You know? Oh, wow. I mean, seriously, dude. You see some dude swinging and shooting bows and arrows and shit, and I'm just like, dude, that rock and roll is for me, dude. Yes, <laughs> I can. You better fucking believe it. And since those days, man, I just, I hadn't, I hadn't stopped. You know, I hadn't let up. I've always been playing some type of music, one or the other. But, you know, look, Pantera was over 15 years ago, man. Yep. You know, it's, um, and that was awesome. We, we worked up fucking asses off, man. You know, we took more than any fucking band in us 90s that are now getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep. You know, um, we, and it was all about, you know, we were a fan's band. So, me going to that, to this, I can see people kind of go, oh my God, you know, what has happened? But it's really not that big a deal, man. It's just life. Life keeps going on. I, I've got to play music, man. That's all I know how to do. And in between, I put out 
a whole shitload of discography. Yeah. You know, I have a ton of work in between those years since Pantera. So I just want to do something different, man. But you can't, you can't paint that same picture over and talking over and over again. It just gets fucking boring, dude. You know, you know, going into high school, I got a scholarship to go to North Texas State, which at the time was the biggest college for music in America. And I blew that off for a joint in Zeppelin. And then I joined Pantera. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. It wasn't such a bad uh, decision at all, True really. motherfucking story. Oh, wow. So if any, any Paul was in the jazz band with me. Yeah. So look, we got, it was first period. We go down and put smoke a joint and then you go to, or he wouldn't, he would, they were straight edge. They were about fucking 23 or something. Yeah. Or I think anyways, I got done. I got done drinking pretty fucking early, you know? Um, <laughs> We do. I'd have Bottle Jack somewhere, and we'd sneak off. You know, his old man was on the road with us because we were too young to fucking play clubs. Um, so, um, you know, Benny, I, I've got lineage with way back. You know, even in, in high school for three years. You know, yeah. Um, it was, um, and that's how I know the Abbott brothers and all and the rest of his history. You know, yeah. You know, we did what we did, but now today is today. Let's talk about my record. Well, that was it, and that was where I was actually sort of heading to was the the influences from them being now able to express them, um, because like you said, you've done a whole lot of other stuff since then. After I got up and after I got up and played all those gigs, the last thing I wanted to hear was a fucking metal record to calm down. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? After you get yeah. if you get up and play a Pantera show, yeah. you know, the last thing you want to do. I would, I would go hit my Tom Petty. I mean, that, that was just a given. I think the greatest hits had just come out. You know, and me and, me and the drum tech would go run a joint and just listen to Tom Petty all night and drive down the road. Yeah. You know, um, so, you know, man, I'm, I've always been a fucking child of the 70s and was, was say I was more the rock and roller guy in the band, you know? I think Benny uh, Dom had that more of that Judas Priest metal thing. Phil was over the top of the fucking obscure stuff. Yeah. You know, and I think that's how the chemistry all kind of came together. But right now, you know, I, I just take my experiences what I have. We wrote some really good songs. I'm damn proud of it. And this is what I want to do, you know, and I'm I'm going to do it. So, uh, lump it or leave it. You know? Well, to be honest, I mean, I've had to listen to the album, and I personally quite like it. One of the things I sort of picked up, and this is where I was sort of heading with, was that um, I, I got a sort of an, an Alice in Chains sort of a, Jerry Cantrell sort of sound to it for me. I was going to ask you, how much of an influence was he? Yeah, dude, I, I'm just hearing that now. None, none of that was like, you know, look, if you collaborate with another guy, he's going to have different influences, right? Yep. None of that stuff I listened to, you know, I would have put it on my record out if I thought it sounded like Alice in Chains. Now, just because it has melodies on it, I heard the same thing with Kill Over Hill. It has, so because it has melodies in it, and yeah. they drop between minor and major chords. People have this, you know, because Allison Chains wrote the book on that. Look, I think Jerry, Jerry's a really good friend of mine, and I think he's one of the best writers of my generation, uh, of guys that I grew up. I've known Jerry since he was 16 years old. Yeah. You know, but I did, it, that's, it, there was, I think that was more of a Lance influence in the songwriting. Yeah. Uh, but I certainly didn't want this album to sound like a fucking Alice in Chains record, and I don't think it does. Oh, no, it definitely doesn't, but there was just the, the, there was some of the similarities with your vocal harmonies, which I think are awesome, and things like that, um, that was just like came to, it came to mind. And it was like, 
I, I mean, I bloody like the album. I think it's fantastic. Um, and I don't know if it's uh, the way you, you, you meant to listen to it, but you talk the, the title is Smoke on this. Um, and uh, I actually had a smoke before I listened to the album, and I found it quite interesting as the album progressed. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, well, that was it. And, and I, I found that you know, the album rocked out, got you going, and then you started to mellow out as the end, as you mellowed out from the, you know. So I, I personally really enjoyed that experience. Cool, man. But I, like I said, man, it's not rocket science. It's just a fucking, it's my take on what I wanted to do at the time. I had some really good songs in my hand, and, and look, there's even more. We went from like 24 to 13 tracks to, you know, ended up with 11 on the record. You know, so there's plenty more material where this comes from. Um, you know, I'm just getting my feet well with this thing. I had to put something out. I yeah. want it to be a summertime record because it kind of fits some of these songs. I was like, well, when are we going to actually probably get our foot in the door instead of just throwing the music on the fucking wall and see if she sticks? You yeah. know, I wanted to see... Um, you know, and everything I do, man, I give it 110%. I'm not going to fucking do it. You know, so um, I've been eating and breathing this record since for about two years. Now, I took a little four or five month break because I had to build the house. But, you know, um, it's just uh, it's one of those things where I would take the tracks home and listen. I'd go, okay, now I know exactly what I want to do with that one. You know, after we had had some stuff done, we, we, we even went back and we recorded drums and we recorded guitars and, and uh, we kept the bass track the whole time. Yeah. Still a bass player, man. I'm still a bass player. I'm just, I'm just a rhythm guitar player playing rhythm on fucking this thing. And I thought, well, shit, I just have a, I found a cool picture this guy uh, took of me and I was smoking a cigarette and I had, a, had my guitar and I was checking it out. I go, yeah, fuck it, man. It's up there on the cover. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know? But I'm a musician, dude. Yeah. I'm a musician. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't have to be labeled this. I've done <laughs> fucking. You know, I've paid my paid my dues, dude. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? You've more, uh, more than paid your dues, I, man. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not being... I'm, and, and look, I'm one of those cats who's all about the jam. I'm not about being this arrogant. Yeah. You know, people will see you as some kind of fucking god or rock star. That ain't me, man. I'm just a regular motherfucker puts my pants on just like everybody else. Yeah. You know, uh, but I just love to play music. And saying, I, look, I got tired of fucking playing metal. That's it. It's plain and simple. Oh, I've well. done it long enough. It's time to explore. And you know what it did? It opened up a whole bunch of different musical ideas and other ways of composing and other ways of uh, being an artist again. Yeah. You know, um, something that had been lost for a while and I lost it. I was just out, man. You know, I had to take some time off. Yeah. Oh, well, dude, hey, mate, you've written an absolutely rocking album, eh? I love it, and um, yeah, I'm glad that you've gone out and done this, and we, hopefully we'll be we'll get some more of that real soon. Well, yeah. I, I plan on coming over there maybe here in the next four or five months, so, you know. Oh, dude, that would be absolutely uh, fantastic. Oh, well, New Zealand's even better. Yeah, man. Um, we had you down here. I, I saw you three times, I think. I saw you with Pantera twice and uh, once with Down when you played the, the Heaven and Hell tour. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that was absolutely Yeah, awesome. I, I love that, that flying to Auckland. Boy, there's nothing like fucking hitting that right when you pull into Auckland on that plane. Yeah. You know, you've been on the been on it for quite some time and you pull in you do your weight flies off you know what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> everybody in the whole plane they're, they're just gripping the seat in front of them about to pull it out you know <laughs> um, 
that that those winds when you when you come in, man, it's just yeah. crazy. So anyway, well, dude, thanks for the interview. I appreciate it, and uh, I'll catch you down the line, bro. Hey, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, Rex. Absolute pleasure.
If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. We're here talking with Brett from the band Paul Barrier. Um, they're about to release their new album, or have just released their new album, Heartless, on the 24th. Uh, this is your third album, is that right? That's right. Excellent. So, what are you most excited about with this uh, new one? Man, uh, you know, I think it's our most um, challenging material. It's it's, um, it's really exciting to play, and, you know, I think we've kind of stepped up our arrangements since our, our, last, our last album, and kind of are inching closer to the sort of ideal that we've had for the band since the beginning, but, uh, you know, combine sort of, um, you know, our, the heaviness, the down-tune aspect of our sound, but also with uh, lots of melody and uh, sort of complex musical arrangements. So I think we, I'm, I'm really happy with, uh, you know, how, how that's come together for this material. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I've been lucky. I had to listen to the album a few times, and um, I must say it's getting a heavy rotation at my place. I quite like it. I think you've got um, quite a nice balance there. Um, I mean, like some people have described it as doom, but, but there's so much more in there. You've got so many different influences. Could you tell us a little bit about some of maybe the band influences? And we have a whole lot. We, uh, we're all very just voracious music fans outside of just like doom metal and we never really um you know obviously doom is a large aspect of our sound um but we've never wanted to restrict ourselves to the rules like of, of what people consider like the rules of doom metal and um yeah you know we still love that music and everything but we're trying not to repeat ourselves and we're also not trying to sound like the bands that have come before us. I mean, there's plenty of um, influence from older bands, and a lot of our influences come from like the 70s and stuff. But um, we try to incorporate them into our sound as well as we can. But, um, you know, overall, I think that we have a, a, a pretty well-defined vision within ourselves as a band of like how we sound and what we like. And, you know, we just try to, try to keep... Um, pushing ourselves to make more, you know, make our sound evolve over time and stay interesting for ourselves. Well, that's the thing, and, and, and what I found interesting about it, is because a lot of bands try to sort of like um, encapsulate several different types of uh, genre, I guess, and, and going from you have your doom elements to some really soft moments to some prog, it can be really difficult to get that mixture right. Um, but you see, guys seem to have done that reasonably well. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, yeah, we're not... The way that we approach it isn't so much that, you know, we think section by section. It's like, oh, here's a prog section, here's a, like, slow core section, here's a doom section, whatever. We don't think like that. It's like, for us, it's all about what the song calls for. And, um, you know, we try not to have sections that are so, you know, divorced from one another that it's an obvious, like, you know, here's the rush part, here's the cathedral part, yeah. you know, et cetera, whatever. Like, we just try to combine things in a natural way that, you know, still fits within the Paul Bear sound, so to speak. 
Well, that's that's sort of where I was heading towards this. It's definitely got um, quite an even flow, even though it gets to some quite heavy, doomy parts. It it also has some quite light parts in there as well. And I I guess the different different textures and things that you guys have created, it, it comes across really well. Thank you. So, um, who would you describe as some of your own personal music influences? Oh man, there's so many. Um, could be talking for an hour about that, man. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, it's basically anything that uh, that either inspires me on an emotional level or from a from a technical level sometimes. But you know. Um, or just anything that I think is kind of outside the box. Like, I really like bands and musicians, whether it be some metal or rock music or outside of that, electronic music or, you know, noise and experimental music. Um, I just like, I like uh, artists who kind of push the limits and um, I'm typically attracted to, you know, that's why we all enjoy, like, you know, progressive rock and, the weirder ends of, of heavy metal and stuff, along with the traditional, you know, Maiden and, you know, Wobbum stuff and, you know, Socket Dune. Oh, that's, we, we like it all. And we try to, you know, take our favorite parts of all the different kinds of music that we like and combine that as well as, like, put our own kind of personal spin on things that, that just comes naturally because, you know, we're four people who have their own ideas and, how we want to play our instruments and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of a, everything I've ever listened to is an influence one way or another, whether it be positive or negative. I, I try to take yeah. things that I like, melt them into my sound and try to like yeah. find the things that I don't like and then not do those things, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, no, I understand. Uh, it was interesting you, you used the word Sonic there and, and one of the things that they sort of like talked about and, and the bio that we got was the, you know, that had this description of being in a, in a um, like, huge arena and, and the sound wailing away and things like that. And I guess that's some of the things. I mean, it's um, not really all that fast music, and it does tend to sort of kind of relax you and take you on a little bit of a journey. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to. I mean, like, it's, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, I still think that we're heavy, like, each we, I personally think this is our heaviest album. Like, there's some elements of it that are, like, way more aggressive and just, like, bludgeoning than anything that we've done, in my opinion, uh, previously. But, you know, at the same time, it's it's not like Conan or something like that, which is a good band, but, like, Conan is, like, a... is a, just a pure sonic, like, bludgeoning, you know, assault. And, you know, they're fucking sweet, but, like... You know, as I was saying earlier, we're trying to do, our, like, have our own approach to things. And, you know, for us, like, the the absolute, like, crushing aspects of Zoom aren't necessarily our primary goal. We're, we're trying to write music that speaks to, you know, speaks to the heart. It's like emotional music. And, you know, the, the peaks and valleys of our, of our music is intended to take you on a journey. It's supposed to be, it's narrative Love music. It's not riff-based. I mean, there are riffs, obviously, but the riffs are secondary to the story that we're trying to tell, which is just everything combined together. Excellent. And that was one of the things, I, I mean, like I, like I said, I, I really enjoyed the album so far, and I've 
found myself putting it on um, quite a few times and, and getting quite relaxed and, and, and the mind sort of starts to wander and everything. And, and, you know, it's nice to have that type of music because, I mean, there's so many music out there that it's, like you say, bludgeoning and, you know, it's all um, designed to get you up yeah, you know, and get going and everything, and, and highly motivated. But you see, it's nice to have that sort of relaxing uh, journey music, so to speak. Yeah, I'm glad, man. I'm glad you connected it. Excellent. So, um, could you tell us a little bit about how you guys came together, and also a little bit about the writing and, and recording process? I mean, who does the main writing and things like that? Uh, well, we formed. Uh, the bass player Joseph and and me, we uh, we formed Paul Bear out of a previous band that we had been in. It was kind of just like experimental, like improvised, like weird, um, <laughs> kind of droney. You know, it's like drone, tangerine dream, and yeah, like sonic experimentation, scout rock sort of shit, and. Uh, yeah, and we've been, we had played that band for a few years, and, and I wanted to experiment with some, some... At that point, writing songs was an experiment for us, because we were used to doing all this like, crazy freeform stuff, so like, yeah. you know, we were going through a kind of dark period in our lives individually, and you know, just writing really sad and you know, epic music kind of fit the way that things were going for us at the time. And um, so it was kind of naturally formed that way. But, um, you know, he and I, and he and I are typically the main songwriters, you know, about 50-50. We, we both write the vast majority of the material. Um, lyrics as well, like we both wrote it about down the middle. Um, and But on, the, on Heartless, uh, Devin, the other guitarist in, in the band, uh, had a lot more writing contributions. Um, and this one too. So I think this this album is our easily our most like band effort. Like you know, it's it was more of a more of a. I mean, we've always are kind of democratic. Like despite Joe and I writing most of the stuff, we still let everyone else have their input, and it often you know I think benefits the song for everyone to be able to say whatever their ideas are and have them be listened to. But um. Yeah, I think that uh, this is our most democratic record in terms of how it was written. So, uh, you know, I think it benefits from that because we get more, you know, different flavors, different people's writing styles. But we're all familiar enough with how we, uh, you know, what we consider to be the sound of the band now. So it's, it's, we all know kind of the style that we write in, but we're not afraid to um, kind of play around with it a little bit. Yeah. Oh no, that's cool. I mean, and, I mean, it must be cool to sort of have that, that, that evolution, and sort of, um, I guess, you, you, each time you learn a little bit more about how to write your, how you write your songs and everything. Absolutely. Excellent. Um, so I've only got a few moments left with you. Um, any ch- touring? Do you have you guys managed to get out of the states yet, or um, any chance of you guys heading down to Australia, New Zealand? I'd say there's a very good chance that we're going to be there sooner than people expect. Oh, that's exciting. We we played Australia a couple of years ago, and it was really, it was a blast. Like, we we just had the best time. So, um, we're actually, we're we're working on stuff right now. It's not been announced 
But yeah, we'll, we'll be back in Australia very soon. Excellent. Well, I'm actually down in New Zealand, and I can tell you we'd love to see you down here. Uh, so, um, any chance of you getting down here? We're we'll, going to be there too. Uh, oh, well, that'll be fantastic, mate. That's exactly what we want to hear. Okay, I've got one last question mm-hmm. for you before we let you go, and that is words of advice for young musicians. I'm sorry, what did you say? Uh, words of advice for young musicians. Um, if you don't absolutely love music, if you don't absolutely have to do it, and you feel that nothing else will ever make you satisfied in life, then don't do it. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, if you do, if you have that drive, and you're willing to, if you're willing to make sacrifices in other areas of your life. It can be a very, very satisfying thing in, in ways that no other, no other things can be. Um, there's a lot of sacrifice involved, and it's not easy. And you have to, you know, basically slog through a lot of, a lot of bullshit. But um, you know, if if you feel like that's what your calling is, then you know, I think the answer you already know the answer in your heart. You know, but if, if it's just and but you know if you also if you just like music and you want to play it and you have other plans, music's always a good thing to have in your life, whether or not you want to do it, you know, professionally. So just uh, do whatever you feel is right. Oh no, that's absolutely brilliant advice, Brett. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, and um, I'll be looking forward to hopefully seeing you down in New Zealand very soon. Yeah, man, I'm I'm very much looking forward to being down there. I've always wanted to see New Zealand. Oh, mate, you'll have a bath, Oh, absolutely fantastic, mate. Well, thank you so much again for your time, and, yeah, we'll see you when you get down here, mate. All right, sounds good, man. Take care. Thank you. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. G'day, we're talking with Devon Townsend from amongst many projects that he's done, Devon, Devon Townsend Project, now back down here in New Zealand on May the 18th. Are you looking forward to that, Devon? Yeah, we've only ever had the opportunity to play in New Zealand once. We did a show in Auckland years ago. and. Um, that was a great experience. I had a really good time there. And so I look forward to doing more than one show. I mean, hopefully uh, hopefully there will be uh, people that want to see it, and I, uh, I look forward to uh, being there again. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, um, like you say, far and few between the, since you've uh, been down here. Um, I, I do anticipate there will be lots of people quite excited about it. I mean, the... the um, I guess you called the heartbeat on the, on the internet was uh, definitely um, very interested in um, when the announcement came through at the end of last year. So uh, I think there'll be a lot of amped people to down here. Ex- awesome, man. Excited. I'm, I'm psyched. Excellent. So um, for people that have never been to a Devon Townsend show, what can people sort of expect from your show? I mean, because you've got so much material over so many years that you've been involved in music. Well, I mean, I try and... I try and make a, a heavy show that is entertaining. And ultimately, you know, I've done so much and I've said so much that more than anything else, I want to represent it well. I want to sing well. 
and I hope that the people that come out just have a great night. You know, it's 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 about music, it's about having fun, and it's about interacting with the audience. So, uh, you know, I think typically the shows that uh, I've been able to do have been a lot of fun for the audience, and, and I look forward to being able to represent that there. Well, because that's the thing. I mean, you've done not only just the music, but you've done rock operas. You've been working on TV shows and all that sort of stuff. I mean, does it um, sort of help you when it comes to putting together a show and the fact that you have now become more than just a musician? You're a performer and an entertainer? I think so, yeah. I mean, I remember when I was younger thinking that all I had to do was stand on stage and play my songs and, and that would be enough. But really it's, it's, you know, I hesitate to say performance because that sounds like, you know, like going to the circus, <laughs> yeah. but as much as I am a private person, I think when I get on stage, uh, I think I'm a strong performer and I like, I, you know, I'm a bit of a cheese ball, I guess. So I think it, uh, comes together in something that is I mean it's fun man it's like I think when I was a kid I used to like seeing concerts that entertain me as well you know it wasn't just about the music it's about the experience of it all and I'm trying to with live shows let people leave the show with like a definite feeling and uh I think it's a good feeling and I look forward to uh I look forward to trying it out there man Oh, I'm sure you're going to get an absolutely fantastic response. I mean, and that's the thing I was going to ask you a little bit about is um, the, the the changing music industry and how. I mean, we went through. I mean, way back if you look at all the like Johnny Cash's and all the uh, the legends of music and all that, there was very much a performer element, and then we had that sort of like um, just music element. Uh, and now, do you think that people are coming back to to uh, performing again and sort of making a little bit more to it because I mean it's harder to make make your money in music now. Well, for sure, but I mean I don't think when you say performance, I, I also you know hesitate to to say that what I do is like performance based because that seems like you know like a real sort of like over the top kind of theatrical thing, which is also not what it is. It's just. I think I'm I think I'm a good performer. I think I'm good on stage and I think it's just a matter of making what I do as big as it can be in terms of the stage. You know, I'm not trying to be a character. I'm not trying to do Alice Cooper type of stuff. I'm just yep. me, but just a loud version of it. And I think without being too um um egotistical about it, I think I'm a really good performer. So so I think the combination of it all makes it a, an interesting show, to be sure. Well, that's, I mean, and it is. I mean, like um, from what I've seen, I mean, engaging in the um, audience is a big part of it. And I know that as a fan of going to shows, that's a big thing that I always enjoy. Is that's is, it? Is, yeah. is seeing that, um, you know, and connecting. I mean, because it's not only. I mean, for me, when I go to shows, I mean, you get that thing where there's you know that everybody else there is. Um, there for the same reason, um, and there to you know see their favourite performer or such, um, and that that's quite an awesome feeling. But then to get that coming back from the actual artists themselves is, is quite a you know a special thing if if they you know make that connection. 
Yeah, it's it's hard for me to comment on it too because it's like analyzing something that comes really naturally. You know, I just <laughs> yeah. I just do what I do. But if I was to analyze it, I guess I guess I I guess I'm a performer. I guess, but I mean, yeah, I don't know, man. It's like um, it's like if you stop and try and figure out how you breathe, then you just have problems breathing. So I tend to stay away from thinking about what I do live and just do it. But uh, people tell me it's cool, so I hope that it is. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, hey, I mean, you've been doing it for so many years and you're still able to do it. So obviously you're, you're doing the right thing, mate. So oh, I yeah. love it. <laughs> I love it, man. It's not like a, it's not a drag, man. It's something that I love to do. And I think that's really what it's rooted in. I think if I'm, if I am any good at it, it's because I love it. Excellent. So um, with that in, in mind and going back to the performance and everything, uh, and I know that you, when you first started in music, well, some of the first things that you did with music was with Stevie Vai. How much of an influence has that sort of had on your career? Um, because he's very much well, um, a, a, a passionate performer as well, a passionate artist as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's had a lot of influence for sure. We're different though. Um, you know, I think, we come from a different generation like when he was at the height of his success it was deep in the 80s where the whole sort of rock star thing was like a legitimate profession you know like that level of money and and touring and groupies and all that stuff was like for real when he was doing it and when i started touring was kind of right after that (laughs) you know what i mean so my performance style, if we want to call it that, is rooted in a completely different lineage because I never really participated in that. I never did that. You know, I was never a rock star. I never messed around with groupies or did a bunch of drugs or anything. So it's always just been about trying to do what I do to the best of my ability. And, and I think the ways in which we're similar is we're very passionate about what we do for sure. But, um, you know, we're a generation apart, so maybe it's a similar thing from a different point of view. Yeah. Oh, no, that's that cool. So can you tell us a little bit about um, your writing and recording process? I mean, because, I mean, for if we go back into, like, for instance, Devin Townsend Project, you had the first four albums were all linked, and then you've gone off and done some more separate stuff. How do you sort of come up with that to start with? I mean, is it something where you go, oh, I'm going to do four albums, you know, da, 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 or, or is it something more you, you start working on something and then it develops into that? Well, I, I think the best way to describe it is that when I'm finished, I try and make it look intentional. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's just, it's just a fuck around, always. I'm like... I try and keep my world so organized, you know, I try and keep my, my house clean. I make my bed every morning and I try and keep everything organized because I'm just, I'm a disaster, I think mentally. But I think my lack of ability to really know what I'm doing is where the passion comes from for me because I had no idea I was going to make four records. Then I had no idea I was going to continue. And right now, I have no idea what's going to come next. It's like, I think if I did have an idea, it would suck the fun out of it to a certain <laughs> yeah, extent. Because yeah. there's something about 
the fact that it's a treasure hunt for me still that keeps it fresh because I really don't know, man. And in hindsight, I remember when Ocean Machine came out 20 years ago, people were like, well, you know, it's confusing because on the front it says Ocean Machine, Devin Townsend, Biomech. There's three names. What did you mean by that? And I was like, I just fucked up. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like I... I wanted to call it Ocean Machine, but then it got released as Devin Townsend, and then, then the, the album title got, you know, which was Biomech, was written too big. So I try and go back in time and, and make everybody feel like all this stuff that I actually just fucked up was legitimate. <laughs> but between me and you and the wall, it's most of the time just, I'm just shooting in the wind. Excellent. Uh, do you do much sort of like writing on the road or anything? I mean, is that some of the things that influence you? I used to. I used to. But I've taken up exercising recently, and that has, that ends up taking up a lot more time on the road than, than it used to. But I find that my connection to music is so second nature now that as long as I document the ideas as they come. Like if I'm on tour and I have an idea, like I mean, very, I make very elaborate notes and maybe jot down a couple of chords, but it happens more subconsciously due to the stimulus of being on the road rather than like sitting with a guitar backstage. And yeah. Awesome. So um, with the with the changing music um, industry and everything sort of going on, have you found sort of any modern day influences or, or people that you've sort of taken notice of and thought, hey, they've got something new there or some new ideas or, or something, anything like that? Well, I like a lot of electronic music. I think that's something that I take uh, inspiration from, you know, John Hopkins or Tycho or, or any of these um, types of bands that do things that I admittedly don't do because it's still what I'm still looking for in music is what I try and do with mine. And that's create an atmosphere for people, you know, create something that is immersive and, and allows them to sort of have a soundtrack. And for me, a lot of the electronic stuff has a lot of space in it because there's no distorted guitar. And so I take a lot of influence from, from things that are very different from what I do. Excellent. Well, I mean, that, that's the sort of thing that sort of allows you to evolve, I guess, musically as well, because, I mean, you don't want to be stuck in sort of some sort of particular genre or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, like, whenever we do a new music, whenever we do a new record, I just break out my old Judas Priest records, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent, right. Oh, no, that's brilliant. Um, you, you've had a, a, quite an extensive um, career so far. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, what would you describe as one of your career highlights? I'm still here. It's crazy. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I still get to go to New Zealand. <laughs> it's like it's insane, man. After 25 years, the fact that it's doing well and people like it and and I'm still inspired and I'm surrounded by good people and making a living, I mean, that's it's all a highlight. And in terms of practical things, I mean, God, there's so many things, man. You know, like we did all of Ocean Machine at the Hammersmith in London a couple of weeks back. And, you know, we did Royal Albert Hall with a puppet show. And we headlined the Tuska Festival in, in Finland with 
Ziltoid and you know I I've I've been on TV and I get to do a online college and there's so many things man it's it's really for me less about collecting those experiences though and more just doing them and moving on because it's the, it's while I'm doing it that it's important to me and and I don't tend to spend too much time like putting up pictures of ourselves or whatever you know I mean maybe we'll put them up at the jam spot but uh you yeah. know I like I like doing things as opposed to thinking about having done them yeah well I mean that's it because I mean you're definitely uh I mean I wouldn't say reinventing yourself but you're doing lots of other things I mean I noticed uh, it was a week or two ago that you were having like a web seminar that um, people could watch on, and you were talking about the changing of the music industry and things like that. You know, uh, you seem to be getting into it teaching as well, which is, you know, passing on the torch, so to speak. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of part of what I want to do, you know what I mean? Like, the idea of, of um, passing on the torch is important to me. And who knows where I'm going to go from here? I've got a bunch of ideas and it's, it's, I'm, I'm excited just for the potential of it all. And, you know, again, it's very similar to what I had discussed with the stuff in my past. I don't really know what I'm doing, man, but yeah. I know I enjoy it. So onward. <laughs> Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Uh, G'day, we're talking with Carl Willits from the band Memoriam. Uh, They've got a new album which is about to be released in a month's time, roughly, For the Fallen. What are you most excited about with with this uh, particular release, Carl? Wow, where does the endless list finish? (laughs) Um, Well, it's just just an absolute honour and a privilege uh, at this time of my life to, to be at the stage of, of my career, to, to be in this position, um, you know, it's very rare that in, in life that you get three chances to to do the thing that you love doing. And you know, I consider this to be um, my third chance. You know, originally uh, back in the late, late 80s, 88, I was in Bolt Thrower. Um, I left in the mid-90s and rejoined Bolt Thrower again in 2004 until it uh, kind of all fell apart towards the end of 2015. So this is the third attempt, the third third chance that I've had in my life and the third opportunity to to be involved in something uh, creatively, musically. And um, it's been an absolute joy, an absolute joyful experience uh, to be with Memoriam, with the band, with my friends, my old friends that I've known for for many, many years, for 30 years. And... um, we're having a great time. You know, that, that, the, the bottom line is um, everything else is a bonus. We're just having fun and we're enjoying what we're doing. And um, it's all been an absolute avalanche of, of activity in the past year. We never really anticipated that uh, it would get to the stage um, that it is right now because when we first started doing this, that the, the whole ethos of what we were doing the, the reason we were doing it in the first place was just to just have some fun to enjoy what we were doing and, and, and maybe kind of going to the rehearsal room once a week and, and blasting out some old 
cover versions of some songs that influenced us back in the day when we first started out and trying to really kind of aim that fun and excitement that we had when we were when we were in our you know late teens in our twenties. Um, we've achieved that uh, tenfold in the past year. It's been an absolutely amazing experience, and the support we've received across the world for what we're doing is um, is fantastic. It's, it's a, a great kind of affirmation of life uh, in a way, and um, I'm grateful for, for everything that we've we've got and what we're doing. It's it's, uh, it's fantastic. Well, that's it, and, and and you talk about the when you first came together as as a band, you were just the idea was to do you were playing covers. Is is that right? Mm. So I mean, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the original that was our original intention. It went no further than that. You know, our our, our prime aim at that point when we got together, the band was formed in the, at the tail end of. 2015, uh, when when really I was in the the grip of the abyss of despair, you know, I was staring into the void, thinking, "What am I going to do with my life right now?" Because you know, we, we, we just we just left, I just lost one of my, my closest friends, um, you know, Martin Kitty Kearns, in September, and his uh, passing had a, had a massive impact on my life. And, and, and when things like happen to you. You know, as your listeners may, may hear or, or may know this, but um, when things like that happen, it may really makes you sit down and take stock of your life and and really want to evaluate what you want to do with the rest of your life. And I had two choices right then as well, and that was either to sit around and wait for things to possibly happen, which may never happen uh, with Bob Thrower, or to get up off my backside pour myself out of the, uh, the pit of darkness that was surrounding me and create something new, uh, something positive, something, something good out of the, 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 uh, the bleakness and despair that I was in. And um, that's how Memorium was born, really. It was, it was from um, that, that, those feelings of grief and, uh, and mourning for the loss of Martin. And um, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Well, you know, I think that's why we have got such a, a positive reaction from everyone that's, um, that's, that's received our music and heard what we're doing so far. You know, they, they, they understand where we're coming from, they believe in what we're doing, they, they, uh, they acknowledge our cultural heritage and uh, where we've come from, and they've all been part of the journey. You know, well, we, if we've been there for such a long time now, we've almost grown up, people have grown up listening to our music, and... Um, you know, I think that we've, we've formed an important part of, an integral part of people's lives. And to be able to continue doing that and just not just stop. Well, that's the thing. Um, but to be, able, to, be able to, to be able to carry on uh, is, um, is a great opportunity and I'm very thankful for it. Well, that's what I was sort of going to talk a little bit about. I mean, because the thing is that you've got a lineage, so to speak, and, and you've been going for so long uh, musically doing different things um but you know i mean that's got to count for something and you know the the fact is that you know it's, it's such a lifestyle music um heavy metal and yeah. you know that's it i mean you, you sort of say yeah. you know to you, how do you stop <laughs> exactly it, it's kind of in the blood you know and, and and you know it's one of the things that i form my identity through as well and and when 
uh, you know, the devastating loss of, of Martin occurred in, in 2015. It almost felt like that my whole life had been pulled from under my under my feet, really. And, and um, I had to do something positive. You know, uh, Martin would have wanted that, and you know, he, he has been the catalyst for all this to happen. He formed a, a major part of, of what we do. The, the album for the Fallen in its entirety is a tribute to, uh, to, to the life of Martin Kitty Jones. And, um, you know, without him, none of this would have happened. Um, so, so yeah, we, we better tribute to Martin. Uh, he's part of what we do and um, his family are, are important to us as well. And, and yeah, we, we, what we do is old school death metal. It's, there's no, no question there. But we're kind of pushing the boundaries, we've got no specific formula that we're working to. We've got an open blank canvas, really, that we, we, we're working with here. So it's, it's great creatively. One thing I missed over the years was, was being in that position to be able to do something new, something fresh and something exciting. And so we're embracing this, this experience and, and, and you know, trying new things. We've done like using samples, um, within the music, we're, we're a four-piece, so the different dynamics within the music are, are, are prevalent as well. So it's, it's a, great, a great experience that we're having. Well, that's it. I mean, it must be fun coming from, I mean, with Bolt Throw and everything, and, and because it was started so long ago, and, and genres were fairly, uh, I wouldn't say strict at that point, but there was only sort of thrash metal, death metal, black metal, and you know, heavy metal. Um, now that things have opened up a little bit more, it must make it a, a more interesting time to be able to experiment a little bit with what you do. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we've been thought for a, you know, we've been doing it for such a long time that there was almost a set formula for what we did. And I think, in a way, that's what held us back from progressing on from the last album that they released, which was Those Once Loyal in uh, 2005. Um, I think we struggled to um, have that creative spark to, to, to actually push on because we were set within the formulas that we created. Now with Memoriam, as I said, those 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 formulas are gone. Uh, we are in a position where we can do what we, which is creatively a fantastic place to be. So we are the, the new album features a lot of different kind of songs. Um, I don't know if you've heard it, but there's some there's a lot of different styles within there. There's some slow, doomy songs in there. There's some full-on straight-up death metal songs. There's some more punk hardcore-edged kind of songs in there. So there's a right variety of different styles that are within the, uh, the music we play. A lot more techno, tech, technical kind of edge to what we play because Scott yep. FX, the guitarist, brings a totally different style of playing to what we're doing. So he brings a, like a more of a modern technical edge to what we're doing as well. The samples, again, a different element to what we do. So yeah, it's, it's um, work at a great Pace. I think we're kind of quite well established at songwriting, and we don't dwell too much too much on what we're doing. So we put pretty much kind of come up with a song, we write it, we do it, and then we move on to the next one. So we work at a really really fast pace. We we almost feels like we have got that fire back. That creative spark is is it's almost like a wildfire. It's out of control, and uh, to the point that the new album is out in. Um, you know, the 24th of March of this year. We're already uh, in the process of writing material 
to record for the next album at this point already. So um, it's, it's a great place to be in. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, and, and like, I mean, you're definitely putting out the material pretty quickly. I mean, what two demos and now the the full album. Um, how do you guys work? I mean, like yeah. you say, it's done at quite speed. How do you guys work um, as a band for the writing thing? I mean, is it something where you go away, write some lyrics, and then you come together, or how does it work? Is it a, a jam yeah, session? Yeah, yeah. It's changed. It's changed such a lot from 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 the. Uh, the days back in the late 80s and the 90s when we were first kind of like doing a band where you'd go to the rehearsal room once a week and you'd jam out the songs and you'd work the riffs out and you'd go back week after week and do that. Now with the impact of technology, that's all changed. Um, when we first together, as I said previously, the, the concept was just to do killer versions. And pretty soon after that, you know, about a week after we decided that was what we were going to do, Scott just through some tracks at us that he'd, some, some, a couple of riffs that he'd got on his PC that he'd written um, over the years and said, have a listen to these and uh, see what you think of them. And, you know, do, you, do you fancy writing some new material with this? And those two tracks sent over in their entirety formulated the first two songs he wrote, which was uh, Resistance and War Rages On. And he got a whole PC of riffs he'd written throughout his career. Um, which is a, it's a gold mine of, of, of ideas, which he throws at us. And because we've got such a lot of experience in doing what we're doing, Frank in particular is really, really good at, um, at structuring songs. So he comes out with bridge sections, middle sections, starts and finishes. You know, and, and so virtually before we actually step into the rehearsal room, we've fired a track between ourselves and listened to it on the computer and got a general idea of what, what we've got for a song. So when we get together in the rehearsal room, we've just already got the ideas together. And from that point, Wale puts his, his signature and track down to it. And then I work, work on the vocals. And yeah, the, the, the songwriting process is so quick. We, we formulated about five songs uh, within the first six months, well, within the first four months of, of uh, 2000. And 16, which we went into record, which became the Hellfire demos, which um, we released as a seven inch, which sold out within within two months. Um, so yeah, and, and from that, that that formed the basis of the whole album. Um, we wrote we wrote four or five more songs uh, throughout the summer, which we went in and recorded last October to Hellfire Studios. And um, that is the core of what the album is. And we're, we're on that process. We're still on that roll. We're still in that process. We're still pulling out these riffs that, that Scott's got and formulating them into songs. And um, I think because we don't dwell on it too much, we kind of we're just enjoying the songs for what they are. And um, and it, it's, just, it's a really great, easy process that we've got going. And um, yeah, we've probably got about four or five albums in us, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's absolutely brilliant to hear. I mean, I know that a lot of fans will be out there, sort of, you know, um, wondering what was going to happen, you know, because I mean, like Bolt Thrower was such a um, a band that was was always there, so to speak, and you know, it was something that has been around for so long. It's like almost an institution. So, um, you know, and absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, I would. I think people yeah, I think, were. I think we built it. That kind of like that, that cultural ethos. Like yeah, we were a very, you know, fan friendly band, and um, we had a set kind of like um, 
uh, sort of ethics that were kind of really, really kind of related to the people. Right, just you are, yeah, you're either really righteous or you didn't. <laughs> it's quite, <laughs> quite a simple decision. Yeah. And uh, I think people that like Bolfella will, you know, will generally kind of, they'll get where we're coming from with Memoriam. Memoriam isn't, isn't um, like Bolfella, but there are many elements within the music we create that, that draw on references to the past. So there are essence, there's, a, there's an essence of Bolfella throughout what we do with Memoriam. My, it's my vocal style, even though I'm trying to do a few different styles of delivery on, on the new album. At the end of the day, it's my vocals and my vocal style, so that's always been a drawback to the uh, the Voltaire connection. And um, that, that's that's we're proud of that. It's, it's our heritage, and, and we can't deny that, and we don't want to. Um, but what we're creating with with, uh, with with Memoriam is something beyond that. You know, it's not a a clone of Voltaire. It's not Voltaire two. It's a completely new identity that we've developed here, and. Um, and we, we, as I say, we, we're enjoying it, so it's great. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant, and, and, and I guess that's the thing. I mean, it sort of shows that um, you don't. I mean, as an older metalhead, you can still be putting out absolutely brilliant material and carry on. It doesn't have to end just because you know one chapter closes. Um, uh, once again, absolutely. I guess it comes yeah. back to that absolutely. lifestyle music. Absolutely, and as you, as you say, it is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. It's a, it's a choice that, that people make, and um, we were, we were in a very privileged position to, and um, we acknowledge the fact that um, we're only in the position we are in because of the people that have supported us across the years. And um, you know, we are using the modern technology that's out there. You know, social media has been a fantastic tool for us to. Uh, to engage with our uh, our followers and friends, you know, I, I don't like the word fans to be perfectly honest, but you know, uh, our, uh, the people that are really into us kind of are uh, we are accessible uh, through through the, the aspect of social media, and that's really worked for us. And got something to say, you know, to a certain extent, also were fairly reclusive from the media and not really um, didn't really engage very often with uh, interviews. Primarily because we didn't really have a lot to say. We'd, we'd, we'd achieve what we wanted to achieve, and you know the, the questions were always worth the same. They're always about when's the next album going to come out, and we think we don't we don't kind of answer that, you know, a million times before. So, so yeah, things are different now. You know, we do have taken the the base ethos of, of what was successful with Boxer, and we've used that to our advantage, and. Um, and we, we build on that with Memoriam, um, and there's, there's, there's a there's a whole new level of what we do, and and but yeah, as I say, we retain a lot of the uh, the identity of the past, and uh, so we kind of cover almost we cover the past, the present, and the future in a way. So we, we kind of expand the whole of the ages. There's a lot of things out there in the world today which are worth sharing about. So um, I'm very pleased to be in a position to be able to uh, to uh, to bond my vocal capabilities and, and say something about it. So um, <laughs> that's great. Well, well, I was going to actually touch on that a little bit because I mean, back in the early days when you first started with Boltzor and everything, it would have been your, your inspirations would have been different. Um, I mean, and we obviously know the inspiration for the the, the personal side of this particular album. 
but it must be more interesting to be able to, when you move forward, um, your inspirations for, for now would have changed. Absolutely. Um, completely. As I said previously, the, um, the actual kind of like the formulas and before we had a, a kind of a set kind of concept we worked within a lot of the words, the, the, the lyrics that I wrote specifically related to war. But it's more about the psychological aspect of war, um, which I think, yeah, and again, relating to the general uh, concepts of war and life in general. But with Memoriam, I think the, the lyrical content has expanded, uh, maybe because I am a bit older, so I've experienced a bit more in my life. So there's a general kind of connection to um, the feelings of loss, grief, mourning, which are a direct uh, impact. For the lyrics, almost a, a cathartic experience, a cathartic uh, way of me expressing how I feel, feel about uh, the loss of, of Martin. But also, there's you know there's a lot of obviously content of war, which will, will always be the same with me. That's the, the main thread of of what I write about. On this album as well, I've also also touched upon a few kind of like overtly political themes as well, which maybe I wouldn't have talked about in the past. You know, I think I've been directly influenced by what's happening in the world around us. Um, there seems to be a, a massive lurch to it towards more of a right-wing ideology, which is the complete polar opposite from where I stand. Um, you know, the rise of Donald Trump in America, Le Pen, yeah. uh, Brexit in the UK, the 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 way that the general popular culture is manipulated by the right-wing media has been a, a massive um, influence in the lyrics that I've written, uh, specifically on songs like Reduced to Zero and Corrupted System, which has got more of a punk edge to it. Um, uh, yeah, I've been able to express myself uh, in, in a way that maybe I would have tried away from um, years ago to a certain extent. I think my age and my experience, um, in particular with songs like uh, Words, which is my favourite track off the album, um, relates to um, more, more, story, more emotional things, more, more, um, more in relation to the world that we live in. Um, Last words, in particular, is, is a song from the format of a soldier in the trenches in the First World War, writing a letter home to his loved ones. It's all about kind of like sending his, his love back home and his feelings towards the loss of his children and things like that, you know. And I think, don't think that I'd have actually written that 10 years ago because, you know, I didn't have children then. So I think that, that uh, all my experiences in life have really culminated within this debut album of Fall of Falling. And um, I think you can feel the emotion within the album itself and the uh, that, that's what makes it work so well. And um, I think people can relate to that and they, they, they appreciate what it's about because... At the end of the day, death is, a, is a, an issue that affects us all. Um, we all touch upon it within our lives, especially when you get older. Um, <laughs> but it's something you don't generally talk about because it's, it's almost like a, a taboo subject. Um, so these are the things that I've explored with, with for the fallen. And um, I think it works and I think people get completely and, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's an ongoing process. 
the next album will be, be out hopefully around the same time in 2018 as well. So uh, long may it last. Oh, no, that's absolutely fantastic. Well, 